are feel. We are very feel. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we cook up a WBSS sized dose of the only audible amphetamine that was made for box, that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to tag in Big Red. Let him out of the cage. Let him loose to break down all things Alexander Usyk and the undisputed cruiserweight championship of the world Saturday as the road to Moscow went through Jeddah and was detoured by the double kebab himself. Double kebab. Maybe two kebab. I prefer a double kebab, but if it's not possible to get a double one, I'll eat two. And eat two we will on the show, along with previewing the action that is to come this weekend as Mikey Garcia attempts to unify lightweight titles in a really good fight on Showtime from Los Angeles against Robert Easter Jr. Wow, it is hot. Wow, it is good. Going back, you're excited. No. I'm, I'm, I'm big time excited about that fight. But that's not all, folks. Along with all of your cruiserweight craziness, you can expect your boy BC has a tasty group of interviews coming your way from last week's Matchroom Sports DAZONE press conference in NYC, where the great Eddie Hearn continued his diabolical takeover of the boxing world. Everyone's shitting themselves. And I'm just getting started. Just getting started. We have chats with Hearn, heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua, DAZN CEO James Rushton on why they pick such a hard to pronounce and weird name for their channel, as well as new DAZN feature fighters like Jesse Vargas and Demetrius Abubu Andrade. Not Andrade, not Andrade, alright? Just like it sounds, Sharday. About why they crossed the street and took Eddie's money. Look folks, we're on a roll lately, and I'm beginning to be damn sure that there's a chance this is the best boxing show in the world today, if not at the very least, the best boxing show named In This Corner. You're saying that there's a chance. More than that. There's more than a chance. But before I unlock Big Red and clean up the mess from his boxgasm on Saturday, let me remind you to do your part in this audio revolution. Look, you know what I'm going to say next. If you hear anything on the show today that you might like. If you see something, say something. Please spread that word on social media. Hey, go over to Apple Podcasts. We're talking five-star review. Subscribe. Tell a friend, write a paragraph, whatever you have to do to keep the mouth open and keep the audio coming. And I know you already know about CBS Sports HQ, the live 24-7 streaming network. But let me remind you, when you wake up in the morning and you open up your DMs like Ryan Garcia and, and they're sloppy to the gore like Kingry himself, you can also get the best highlights and the biggest sports stories right in your inbox every morning with that CBS Sports HQ newsletter packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. Everyone needs something good in their in-hole each morning. Go to cbssports.com forward slash HQ daily to subscribe. But with the business out of the way, with all the crap behind us, I want to bring in that internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV icon. But most importantly, folks, this week, most importantly, respecter of all things cruiserweights. Cruising was made for Fox. Usyk was made for Fox. Raphael, the floor is yours. Rafe Bartholomew, tell us about the blue and yellow. What's going on, my man? It was immaculate. It was 
spectacular. I want to talk like Chris, you, Chris Eubank Sr. I want that, that were the kind of, the kind of elevated vibes I got this weekend. The, I, I gotta say, double loads. Wow. Can I say it, it was that's, double loads that's, worthy? That's you know, gross. It, it, I want to ask Floyd. He tell you of the instrument which is my body. Risk. <laughs> wow, that's really disgusting. So, would you say then, without question, let him shoot his load? I mean, the you know, I mean, right? So he shot his load. I mean, it was it was that good. It was better than that. It was God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hey, wow. how thank gross you is this? To... Yeah. Anybody still listening? How gross is this? Go ahead, Rafe. Keep, keep spilling things. I'm sorry. <laughs> let it all out. Let it all, let him out the cage, Brian. Um, it was just, what I, I'm almost speechless. No, I'm not speechless. It was. Well, it wasn't really a great fight. A great performance. It wasn't door to coast. No, but it was such the performance, the performance, man. The, that was a masterclass. I, one of our friends, uh, Matthew, uh, F boxing at Twitter. I just saw him, him write a few minutes ago online, calling it the best masterclass he's seen since Floyd over Canelo. Uh, I, I'd have, we'd have to go back and kind of look year by year to see if we really agree with that, but it was that kind of performance. It was a high, against the highest level of competition and seeing even even guys who we think look like they could be 50-50 going in, there are still levels. You know, there are still levels to this game, and Usyk is on another level. And it was—I don't care that it wasn't a great fight in the back and forth. It was a greater performance than a lot of the great fights we're going to see and have seen this year. Well, while you pitched a tent Saturday somewhere in Southern California. Ali Usyk was in Moscow pitching a shutout of the aforementioned Murat Gassiev, collecting all four cruiserweight titles. He's the undefeated champion. You have to say, when you look at the WBSS as a whole, the cruiserweight side of the bracket, they got every big name. They produced many good fights. And in the end, we had no chicanery, no injuries, no one leaving the tournament for no reason. We got somebody standing on top of that mountain with four straps around them, Rafe. Maybe a fifth if you were allowed to be close, you know, with, with, uh, with, may or may not be wearing pants. I mean, so many strapation going on. No strapation without representation, first of all, all right? But there was, there was a lot of straps is really where I'm trying to go. And it's not often that we get that type of strappage, right? Like, like, I, oh man! The main priority is is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation, dudes. I mean, the strapation was there. We have a true champion, an unbeaten star on the rise, in his fifteenth pro fight, Alexander Usyk, who I had number ten pound for pound coming in. Rafe, he might as well just jump five more spots. I mean, he's that good. Gassiev, unbeaten, had just plowed through some big names. This was one of those nights. Where you thought, I'm going to quote Larry Merchant here after Pacquiao defeated Cotto, right? We thought Alexander Usyk was great. He's better than we thought. Like, damn right. Like, when people make leaps, Rafe, and this is one of those weird leaps because it's two guys that are really good. We didn't have questions about either one. But when one man then takes that upper room leap, it's, it, there's still times in boxing in this crazy world that we love and celebrate where you can be in awe, where you can be like, wow, I'm humbled. I just saw something special. Clean up my mess for me. And yo, that uh, you're, you're dead on BC. Um, and I think 
on it shows I think it is a great advertisement for the WBSS format that in their first completed title, not just what it says for fans, but what it says for other boxers, for people eyeing these tournaments from the outside, knowing that it's going to hit other weight classes, that this is a way to catapult your, your status in the sport. Is Usyk a, me- a megastar in the United States right now? No. But like you said, he, by winning this tournament, by racking up those wins that he got, those three wins against other top cruiserweights, cleaning out that division, now he basically is a top five pound for pound fighter or real close to it. If you want to, I don't really want to get into the ins and outs of that. Uh, he's very high up there and, and, those wins, it, it, it sort of solves one of the problems we have in boxing where there's this lack of information where you see guys look impressive against some guys, but you don't really know everything about the other, the other opponents those guys have beaten. You don't know, uh, it's, it's hard to weigh the, 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 the pros and cons of different wins. And this one, each, successive win in the tournament is worth more because we've just seen the guys who get to the final have elevated themselves just by getting there just by winning so by the time you get to a final and and win boom you are there you have just racked up two or three top wins of the year making yourself a fighter of the year near lock uh by by going through that kind of sort of gauntlet um and set himself up to pretty much do whatever he wants to in the sport for a while. It's really stinks though eh, that there was no American TV. That cloud whatever cloud TV is. I don't even know what that is, Rafe. Whatever cloud TV is that picked this up. You know, no American TV got this because this was a star making stretch of wins from Usyk like you mentioned. So, it's a shame that I mean it's if you think about where HBO's at. I mean, HBO is still presenting gourmet uh you know, China and fine linens, and you're walking to their gourmet restaurant, but then they're giving you fast food, right? You give me fast food? You give me fast food? I mean, you can't make a fast food. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, he made him flip the beggar. So, Rafe, my point of this is HBO showing slop, and sometimes they're getting lucky, which I thought they got Saturday with Jaime Munguia, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But if HBO, which patterns itself to be the royal elegant one in the group this was a royal elegant tournament to throw a lot of money at and televise and could have helped make Ali Usyk a star just like if ESPN plus had picked this up right that could have gone a long way it's a shame I know financially this is the boost to make Usyk a star now there's already reports the top rank wants him and is calling up Igus Klimas that uh, DeZone and Eddie Hearn wants him so he'll get what he deserves but he should have already gotten what he deserves because it was that great of a performance. The the tournament was put together so well. And we could have had a new, you know, Richard Schaefer, let me say for something. Let me say for something. We have a new uh, Lomachenko, and his name is Alexander Usyk. And when I say that, I mean casual fans going, who's this funny dude from Europe who fights like nobody else? Because, Rafe, let's not go too far forward or big picture without micro explaining how we won this fight. It was piston jabs and creative mini hooks and uppercuts, and it was constantly in Gassiev's face to the point where he was never able to reset. Yeah, he landed a, a right-hand hair, a right-hand there, and by the way, Usyk did have to bite down and eat a few of those where his chin got turned. But 
Usyk was in his face constantly in some hybrid of like Manny, Prime, Lomachenko, and Winky Wright. It was some weird hybrid of the three of them, and it was fantastic. You there? Yeah, are, I are, think are you, are you really with me? You, I'm here. I'm I'm with you, man. I am I am hearing Jimmy right now. I hear I hear Usyk. I hear Sasha. I I hear kebab music playing in my ears. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. The footwork, really, you gotta, it, the same with, with Lomachenko. You really do have to go look downstairs, not there, but even lower to the feet where these guys control fights. And Gassiev could not move with Usyk. And, 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 and it's not, it is, it is the feet, but also he, Usyk is changing levels, even for feints. It's not just he's changing his levels to throw punches. He's, you know, his his body, his upper body, upper body movement going up and down, trying to really just give him, give Gassiev so many looks, so many angles that he just could never get on track. And on top of that, Usyk is constantly, really constantly throwing punches. I mean, the output over 12 rounds in that fight is something that you just don't see in fighters that big. And yeah, he is not putting maximum leverage and power into each of those punches but he doesn't need to and, and he uses that to his advantage because then he will sit on one and actually get a guy's attention after some of the more pity pat just sort of stay busy you know sort of he does did you notice a few times Usyk will throw a lead left and just double it like a jab sometimes it's really it's a little pop pop with with the back with the backhand which you really rarely see um he he does so many unor so many things different from anyone else he he, like like lomachenko and they were both brought up trained by the father anatoly lomachenko in that ukrainian system uh they they have it and they are these world-class i mean all like generational athletes to pull off these kind of moves, that kind of creativity. Well, you, you always to... see the videos of what, um, sorry to cut you off there, but what Lomachenko no. does top rank puts the videos out from camp. He's always working on hand-eye coordination drills, and he's always working on weird sort of drills where it's like, right after a workout, they put him in these like mind games to try to figure out, and all that weird stuff that they do and all the, all like the balancing, like where they try to balance a ball up in the air a million times with one hand, it seems to create when you say they're great athletes, they're maybe not great athletes in like the out of control, physical, fast, strong, quick twitch fiber, Roy Jones type. They're great athletes in the sense that they move differently. Like there's just some, there's just this wizardry with the way they move and the way they react to things that all this unnatural training is paying off big time. People should be following, sports science should be in, in Anatoly Papachenko's kitchen right now figuring this out. John Brinkus, get on line one. I think you're right. I mean, and, and clearly they put uh, so much emphasis on that cognitive training that, that goes along with the physical side of the sport. But I, I think we should not undersell the all world level of this straight athleticism these guys have. You aren't supposed to move that well when you're as big as Alexander Usyk. It's not easy. You don't see other boxers doing it. And that was really what I remember being so impressed in the semifinal fight against Myris Briedis was that Briedis managed to keep up with him for eight rounds or six rounds until he got tired and basically started losing the fight from there. Uh, and, and that was more than I expected any cruiserweight really to be able to do. Those wheels are different, you know, and, and maybe, yeah, in terms of 
hand speed or one shot fast twitch quickness. He, these guys are not quite at the, uh, on par with, with the, the greatest fighters we've ever seen like that. But I, I think sort of uh, category for category, the, the athleticism of, of Usyk and Lomachenko really shouldn't be undersold. It's right up there with all the other amazing things they do. It's it's incredible. All right, we got to compare this performance to something we've seen before. We got a nice DM, and look, DM season is always open. You guys want to slide in and feel around in there? It's open from Enoch Marchant at Knock, which is N six O's and a C H. Says, I know we were all incredibly feel. I feel about Usyk's performance. For historical context, can we recall a more similarly decisive victory in a fight of that type where neither fighter is a mystery but one just dominates unexpectedly? Behop Tito comes to mind, says Enoch, but the narrative warps my memory. If either of you mention Calzaghi Lacey, I'm out. Love the podcast. Look forward to every episode. Keep up the great work. Exclamation point. End quote. I don't know why Enoch is out for Calzag's Lacey. Maybe because... We assumed Gassiev was no, but Lacey at the point we thought Goss, we thought Lacey was a badass at that point too. That's a perfect example. He gave Bihop Tito the one that came to me first was Tito Winky Wright because it was so jab oriented and he just stuffed Tito in his perfect haircut that night in just twelve straight rounds of eat this sandwich. There was a lot of eat this sandwich from Usyk. Yo, I. I, I, I He's right. I mean, you, you're right. I don't know, man. It, that performance is almost singular to me. Uh, and, and I, I, I did not go through my, my little historian. I didn't have Ray Pop send me the videos of all the similar fights. So I don't know if I have a great off the top of my head answer. I think he's out on the Calzaghi angle because I, I, I've, I've interacted with Enoch on Twitter before. He's from that area of the world. I think he's, I think he's an Irish fan. Um, but in any case, on that side of the pond, they did not think that Lacey was ever the kind of class. He did not have the panache of a Joe Calzaghi. They weren't rating him like we did over here. No panache, no flair, no show. Waste the money. All right, Rafe, we have to talk about what could be next. And afterwards, Usyk straight up called out Tony Bellew and was like, I'll do it at Cruiser if you want. I'll do it at Heavy if you want. I'll eat some extra spaghetti is what he told the British broadcasting team. Um... We knew that this was going to happen, right? When you clean out cruiserweight so de- decisively, and it's not a big money division to begin with, let's go to heavy. And let me remind you, Usyk's a southpaw. He's like six three and a half. He's got long arms. Yes, there's a lack of power there, but physically, he seems he can pull this off. Do you like the Bellu fight as a test the water and get ready to go above two hundred? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, or even, you know, he, one of the, I liked Usyk's quote there when he, he said, and if Tony doesn't want to come down, then I will eat extra spaghetti and we can fight at heavyweight. <laughs> um, you know, yes, that is a, a really good first heavyweight look for him if, if Tony Bellu, Bellu wants to do that. Uh, and sounds like he does, although part of me wonders is Tony Bellu, he's, such a chess master in terms of setting up his next fights and his and the way Bellew talks his way into and out of fights. He, this may be just something he's using to set up another fight. Just because I, I, Bellew is a smart, crafty, clever mofo. Yeah, and well, I he's don't not think happy he, unless he's I don't think he somebody. wants this. I think he wants something else, and he's using this. But maybe I'm wrong. He also he also has this weird. This Bellew also has this. I do believe 
when Bellews talks about wanting to challenge himself. And I think he does have a little bit of that really wanting to prove he belongs at that level. But his eyes may be telling him that mm, I may not actually belong at that level. Anyway, from Usyk's point of view, take that. It's it's if it's at if it's at heavyweight, I think even better because that sort of is a way to ease himself into division, fighting a guy who may actually be naturally smaller than him. You know, we saw Bellew go all the way up from light heavyweight. Um, Bad idea for Bellew though, Rafe, because what Bellew does at heavyweight to have success is kind of the things that Usyk is going to do, but Usyk does them better. So. Like, Bellew should be calling out the big oafs, the big six foot seven guy, like, like Tyson Fury, the big guys that are kind of fat and may not have the speed. Now, Fury does have good hand speed, not the perfect comparison, but you know what I'm saying? He should call out the big, uh, Marty Uswak type dudes and just outpoint them. What are you doing messing with Usyk? Just like I, in my, it's in my head, I'm like, if you're Bellew, what are you doing messing with Andre Ward? The guy's just gonna outclass you. It's gonna make you look horrific. Yeah, I tend to agree, but Bellew has, he has, I don't know, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't favor him in these fights, but he also has this sort of, I hate to, I hate to bring up Conor McGregor in a, in a boxing podcast that we should be past this, but he has a little bit of Mystic Mac in him where he can talk himself into these outcomes that always seemed ridiculous. I mean, moving up to cruiserweight and winning titles ever for Tony Bellew seemed insane. Uh, we, we, it's hard to judge the David Hay fights because they were sort of injury marred and Hay, Hay was pretty, pretty washed. <laughs> but, uh, still, on paper, the first time he started calling out David Hay, it was like, are you nuts? It doesn't make any sense, Tony. Uh, so he has a little bit of that Mystic Mac in him. Uh, still, I wouldn't, I don't think he would have much of a chance against Usyk. Um, but, Hey, he, he does have that, this weird combination of, uh, of mind games plus, Balls. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tough gangster balls. Speaking of uh, Conor McGregor, though. This solid old pocket watch. Three people died making this watch, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think he gets enough love from boxing people who just look at that money grab. Like, the guy's an all-time uh, talker. All right, Rafe. I want to talk to you about, okay, we said Kenny competed heavyweight. But heavyweight is not heavyweight anymore. Real heavyweight boxing is super heavyweights, okay? So can Usyk compete against super heavyweights? I want to read you a quote here from the great Nassim Hamed. It's not the quote you think I'm going to read you. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. It's not that one. It's, I honestly think Usyk would give Anthony Joshua a run for his money. This is what Nassim said on ITV box office after the fight. I would like to see him fight AJ. He can work for 12 rounds. He would give Anthony serious problems. I think he can do the same thing that he did against Gassiev, even against Wilder. And quote your thoughts. Brian, I, I agree. I, I think he is dangerous at the highest level of heavyweight. Now it's, it, it'll be interesting. There's some challenges there, obviously, with the size, uh, that he'd be giving up. And I don't think it would make a whole lot of sense for Usyk to try and bulk up to get, to add 20 or 30 pounds of muscle or whatever, of, of kebab, uh, to, to, to get there, uh, and add power. Cause he didn't, he wasn't, a, he isn't a great power puncher even at cruiserweight. So, so just give that up. That ain't even happening at heavyweight. But, but, I think that the speed, the movement, the activity, heavyweights do not see fighters no, like this no. ever, ever. Then let me ask you um, this. Is he a better Chris Bird? Good size, no power, defensive, good boxer. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good comparison. I, I, 
we'll have to see. We'll have to see what he does. It certainly seems possible. Um, and I, I think that he could end up winning some of those fights, even getting some surprising stoppages against bigger heavyweights, not by, not, not necessarily by punching them, but just by sort of moving, keeping them engaged more than they want to be engaged over rounds. And, and they basically being the little, the little guy who tires them out, drags them deep into the water and drowns them because they, after eight rounds of that, they're just quitting on their stool. I mean, he, he could get some Nomaschenko stop style stoppages against guys who are just like, I don't want to get me out of here. I'm not hitting this guy. It's a wrap. Um, he could, he could get some of those kind of stoppages. He could be dangerous. Now, the thing is, and we saw it against Gassiev. We saw uh, we saw it against everyone he fought in, you know, so far in his co- professional career. He didn't have to deal with those kind of height and reach disparities he will see at heavyweight. Yes. Uh, and he it, so it was pretty easy with his movement for him to control distance against Gassiev, against these guys who are essentially the same size as him. Now, against Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. He's coming. It's not as simple to maintain that distance and be effective because if he's at if he's at the distance at which he can jab one of those guys, they obviously are going to be able to reach him as well. And they're going to break uh, his face, dude. Like, I mean, you know how hard you have to hit to break somebody's face. That those are, those guys are face breakers. I mean, I mean, I like to see Gassiev with that power at heavyweight too, like we talked about last week, but. This is going to be fun. This adds a very interesting wrinkle because this adds a Floyd-like or Lomachenko-like quality to the heavyweight division. A guy who can be that Swiss Army Army knife, that kryptonite, that can disarm the big sluggers. Great fights ahead. I want to close on Usyk by saying this. Congratulations to the Sauerland brothers, including your boy. Is it Cal or Callie? Where are we, where are we going with this? I don't know for sure. Uh, obviously, when we see him on the British videos, they do say Cali or Calais. I don't know, Cal, Cali. Right. Well, Cal, you know. how would we describe Cal to people that are not woke on him? Is he like a cooler Todd DeBuff? Is he like a greasy dirtbag good businessman who probably just slays chicks and drinks billion-dollar champagne bottles in his free time? Well, he is the public face of these Sauerland produ- productions that, that put on the WBSS and have – and have managed and and promoted a bunch of awful German fighters who we all hated over the years. Uh, so we've all, that name has always been out there for us. Um, yeah, he's, he, he always seems to be a little bit sweaty. He's got great slicked back hair, dresses really well. I wonder if his brother and father might be more involved with the, the business side, but maybe it's him. Uh, he's just involved in the slaying side, right? This guy with that evil Bond villain look, he would just slay people. You know that. It's, I mean, he, he, you don't even have to guess. He talks about it openly in a way that is not going to do well for him when he yeah. comes over <laughs> well, to promote he, in the U.S. He sent me some great co- sound from the great Coogan, uh, Cassius, Cassius. of IFL TV interviewing Cal Sutherland after the fight. Do your mathematics and leave me alone. What are you going to do now? What's the plan? Is it a, a party in Moscow? Absolutely. I mean, haven't we just finished uh, the cruiserweight season? So, uh, massive party How tonight. How are you going to celebrate? How do I celebrate, Kogan? Uh, only one way. Ain't no party like a Kelly party. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Not many men around, put it that way. <laughs> 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 All right, not many men around is the punchline, but what's that opening line of, uh, well, let's hear that one more time. Do your mathematics. Do your mathematics. Do your mathematics. Is he trying to take a shot at, uh, Kogan's people? What's going on here? 
Oh, no, no. The, I, uh, if you watch that entire YouTube video, uh, Coogan is sort of pushing him to come up with a date for the super middleweight final uh. between in the WBSS between George Groves and Callum Smith. And Callie is just saying, oh, it's it's going to be in September. It's going to be in September. And then he says, look, Anthony, you know, Joshua Povetkin just got just got announced last week. So and that's in September. So we have time. Relax. Do your mathematics and let me do my job. Now it's time to go have a party with not a lot of men around. Is, All right. is we got to get same. into one of those parties. Like, I don't know if we'll ever cover a Sourland events promoted bout, but if they end up doing some uh, new WBSS and they bring it to the States, let's say, and we can work our way into a Cali party, because there ain't no party like a Cali party, what does it look like? Because I'm thinking... I'm thinking Deontay Wilder might fit in. I'm thinking eyes wide shut, right, with the masks and everybody's pantsless from down below. Like, what, what's this going to look like? Brian, there, uh, let me say, I think there are, let me say first something, Brian. <laughs> Richard Chamberlain. There are, yes. there are levels to this game, to all games. And that, and, and the Cali Party game is a game of levels too. And speaking for myself, and I think speaking for you as well, we may like to imagine what that party is like, but you don't want to be in whatever you, uh, yeah, us going in, guys like us going inside a party like that are going to walk out kind of feeling like the world, our world is over. It's just, it's too much. We can't handle that kind of, whatever kind of action is are you, happening are in you there. Are you implying booger sugar? I don't know what all kinds of sugar, all of the sugars. Pour right? some First sugar you get the on, sugar, yes, then yes. you get the money, then you get the power. Wow. Um, then you get the women. Then, um, yes. it, it, I think it's going to be ugly in there. Uh, pre- very pretty, but then it turns very ugly. Not um, a lot and for of, me, yeah. I'd rather leave it in the realm of imagination. But the odds, though, that we could either get an invite or work our way in, I, I wonder what Don King would think about those odds. I think Bruno has a real chance, too. I think, I think he has two, Slim and none, and Slim's out of time. All right, probably not likely we get Ryan, in there. but I know, I know, I know, I know we got to move on. But can we do a quick feel spot montage for this cruiserweight tournament? Wow. And think about, think about, the feel spots even this final gave us. The feel spot moments. I mean, Usyk winning that Ali trophy before he before it's presented to him. Muhammad Ali's wife, Lani Ali, they they brought out to Moscow to help present. He walks over to her and before anything else, kisses her on the on the hand. True gentleman stuff, respecting the legend. Uh, after the fight, the way that Usyk walked to the center of the ring, dropped to his knees, and is just heaving. His chest is heaving. He crosses himself. The, the cut man, Russ Amber, is dripping his, the, 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 the sponge water on top of him. And it was just a moment of triumph and relief. Uh, uh, release for some people, perhaps. Um, it was amazing. Uh, and of course, then you can go back to those moments in the Gassi of Dortico's fight where they were giving the, the belts back and forth and crying each other's arms. I mean, this produced great boxing. It gave us, it made us more excited about a fighter who we were already excited for in, in, in Usyk. It built the careers of Gassiev and Briatis and Dortikos if he ever comes back. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the moments, I will remember the moments. Well, I, the moment I popped the most for on Saturday was seeing Sensei Seagal, Steven Seagal in the front row in like that center spot that like normally Oscar or Espinosa or somebody big would sit. Uh, 
does he get invited to a Cali party? Because he may he may do things. So there's there's levels to this. Steven Seagal's even upper room level above whatever anyone else could imagine. Seagal probably gets his own dungeon at the Cali party because <laughs> you don't want him to ruin. You know, you want you don't want him to scare away all the other yes. uh, non men invited to the party. So you just give get sequester him somewhere. Where he can do his dangerous activities safely to every for everyone else. Take a few ladies to the bank, if you will. The, <laughs> the blood oh, bank. All right. Hey, Saturday night, Rafe. Uh, Jaime Mungia headlined an HBO card from Vegas at the Hard Rock against Liam Smith, defending his 154 pound title. He wins a 12 round unanimous decision. But before I get your take on that, and what turned out to be a very entertaining fight i saw i didn't see it live i saw people trashing it on the internet next morning i watched it i was at the edge of my seat i enjoyed it but can i take you on an emotional journey of the hbo broadcasting crew of jim lampley roy jones jr and max kellerman hbo's in a weird spot they don't have the money they still present themselves as as steak and in and sit down dinner but they're they're presenting fast food fights as we mentioned earlier but they don't know that or they don't show that they keep the cards close to the vest and so what they do is – what's that word? That word when you say something but you don't really mean it and you try to make it much bigger than it is. Embellish? Yeah, embellish would be a good word. Uh, high, high, uh, high something, right? Highfalutin? Hyper- hyperbole would be another good word. Okay. Jim Lampley started the broadcast by comparing Jaime Munguia, the 21-year-old Mexican – junior middleweight championship, who has one victory that we know of that ever actually happened when he knocked out welterweight Saddam Ali for the title in a very impressive performance, and then has fought on his box rack page a whole ton of... Against who? Against who? Yet I like him, and I'm excited. Lampley compared Munguia to essentially Joe Frazier and Mike Tyson and said that not, you know fighters will let you down, so like Tyson Douglas... You got to see what they're all about, but he says never before has there been as anticipated a young puncher as Jaime Munguia. He just compared him to Mike Tyson. Okay, then the fight starts, and Munguia takes some damage. It's a decent fight, and in the middle rounds, Jim spends an hour, a round and a half basically upset at Munguia that he doesn't look like he's ready for Canelo. Like he mentioned it like five separate times. Well, guess he's not ready for Canelo. Oh damn! Like like basically like that. And then when he wins the fight, they come back around again as like, this is one of the next big young stars to watch in the sport. Rafe, what is happening here? Because I never would have guessed of that three-man crew that Roy is the freshest, that he's the least washed based on comparison to his broadcasting prime of the three of them. What is happening? I don't, Brian, what can you do? I, on one hand, I look, I think that HBO should continue doing HBO level production, even if they don't have what we traditionally consider HBO level fights. Right. I, look, just because I, I'm I, I have pride in what I do. I have pride in making terrible load jokes. If you give me bad material for a load joke, I'm still going to make the most out of that that I can. I'm still going to try and S that L. Uh but uh, sometimes you don't, you know. Sometimes you have to make lemonade out of lemons, and and they're trying. So I, I don't, I don't knock them for that. But I feel like HBO has been at this long enough. I mean, they have really been at it. They they tell us how long they've been at it, and they've been at doing boxing in a premier way for a very long time, decades and decades and decades. Uh, so you'd think that by now they would have 
gotten the me- message that boxing fans on the internet absolutely hate historical comparisons and they hate them more than anything else when they are given prematurely uh but Rafe, so, we went from the next tyson to a bum to the next Gotti in like a nine round swing well they they i think they're heading in the right direction look they, they made i was excited about munguia too i went to this fight i bought tickets what? to this fight. brought my Breaking girlfriend news. we drove to las vegas it was an awesome atmosphere fun fight to watch Wait, you went to this fight as a as a as a citizen as a spectator Citizen, man, citizen status. Absolutely. Cause I, I told last week, I'm not kidding. I felt a tinkle in my winkle when I, when I saw Mungia fight Ali. You know, it moved, Brian. Yeah, unzip me. Um, and. Don't, but you know what, what Chafe Dog told us at that time about, about, you know, no, don't, don't tinkle your wing. All right, keep going. Keep, I can't get back. Uh, I can't go sorry. back. I can't I, go I, back. Look, the words of Chafe Dog always matter to me. So anyway, I, I felt some of that excitement, but you gotta, be a little bit realistic, especially if you're on TV talking about it. Uh, you, you should not go so far ahead of yourselves with that kind of comparison because, yeah, then when the fight starts and you realize, oh, wait, no, you know, he's good. He might be very good, but we got a long way to go uh, before we can make any kind of big comparison to this guy. Then, yeah, then then you're kind of stuck out there. You know, you already put your neck out there, and you're realizing you messed up. Now you got to walk it back. And then I got to clean up the mess. Yeah, you got to clean up the mess because you've been teasing your bag all fight. All right, here's what the fight actually looked like. He's a fun brawler. He's not the next Mike Tyson. He's not the next anything else. He hits hard as the rounds go on. His his punches become wider. And you know what? He's got a good chin for a young kid, and he's got a lot of balls too. And Liam Smith fought a professional fight. He was tough in defeat, and this was a really fun fight, and they both traded big punches. That's the end of the story. It was a fine. It turned out to be an above average what we expected coming in. It turned out to be a fine HBO fight, but this is really like the only thing they have outside of a Canelo Triple G pay-per-view these days. Well, luckily, Canelo Triple G pay-per-views are the biggest fights in the sport, so uh, that is not nothing, uh, but... Yeah, I, tell me about I, it your was a good fight. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad about. I thought it was a really good fight. Super fun to watch in the arena. The people were going crazy the whole time. Munguia chance, Mexico chance, uh, and and Liam's and a lot of that credit kind of goes to Liam Smith coming in and putting on, like you said, a, a high level professional performance, showing us a lot of these weaknesses, how easy it is to hit Munguia, uh, and then you know showing a chin, not going down the one time, but really on a on a equilibrium or kind of like a top of the head shot that that you know wobbled him briefly and he recovered from it was a good fun fight and yeah mungia i i was i left thinking that we have a nice little bubble of great high level but not really truly elite i believe but great uh tv fighters right now in the sport across plat across networks if you're talking about guys i'm thinking of mungia Oscar Valdez when he comes back from the jaw injury, uh, Alex Salcedo, uh, Jared Hurd. uh, Jose Ramirez, Jared Hurd, these guys who are flawed, they are, but they're tough and they can box a little and they go at, they go after it. Don't, I, I'm not complaining that we have guys holding belts who fight like that who are sort of, I, you don't really want to compare guys to, to Arturo Gotti because that is another level of blood and guts that you don't see more than probably once every, you know, 20, 30, 50 years maybe. But, uh, yeah, uh, these guys fight in the style that can remind you of that if you're squinting hard and trying to, you know, have Gotti Ward highlights play in your head. 
Yeah, that's well said all around. To close, and I can only give you 20 more seconds on this. We've got to keep moving. Is Munguia... I don't think he's ready for Triple G or Canelo. He's not even in that division, so let's back up HBO. I know you're trying to make opponents. But is he ready for the other title holders at 54? Is he ready for a Lara-level guy, even though he doesn't have a belt? Is he ready for Jarrett Hurd in what would be a, an, an ultimate uh, fun train crash? I think... I don't know who else has the other 54 belts off the top of my head. Is is he on that level? Can he scratch out a win just by having balls? The guy has balls. Can he do that, Rafe? It's hard to say because there are bigger punchers who will test that chin even more. And, you know, this reminded me of a Tony Harrison, Jared Hurd type win where Hurd won, won but didn't look great. But you couldn't really make a call on his future because he was only beating Tony Harris. And now Hurd has done that to some really good fighters. And you realize, oh, this guy can take a punch and he keeps coming. If Munguia is like that, then sure, put him in there. But we won't know really until some of that happens. And if he ain't, if he ain't a lion, you know he's going to get dog. Yeah, I'm a dog him. I'm a dog him for sure. Hey, there was a big time robbery on Showbox on Friday that some are calling one of the biggest in recent memory. I can't tell you the names of the fighters and I didn't watch the fight. Do you have anything to add on this? No, you said pretty much what I have to say about that, Brian. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's move on. Hey, speaking of comebacks from, uh, from breakdown of, uh, you know, heartbreaking breakups, Rafe, Srisa Ketsord Rangvisai cooked up a nice rat. And that rat's name on his frying pan was <laughs> Young Gil Bay. And he took him to hell via KO1 and a Bantamweight bout. I enjoyed watching that one round. A lot of people were putting it out on Twitter. Good for Srisakette moving up to 118 and a stay busy. Young Gil Bay with his uh, boy band looks got sent to uh, to the Triple Ds. Anything to add on this? No, only that the clip of that, I think it was a great, great move for Srisakette because you could hear women screaming in delight throughout that round. Every time he landed a punch, people were like, ah! So if he's trying to have a bounce back from that rough breakup, um, he put himself in the right position. Yeah, that's the best thing to do. If somebody breaks your heart, just do something violent, right? Buy a, buy a firearm, do something violent. Go out, beat up young Gil Bay. Just, yeah, I mean, come on. Give me some of that hard wood I'll whack you with. Whack you with. Uh, hey, Manny Pacquiao tweeted, Rafe, in the aftermath of his Matisse fight in recent days. Did you see that tweet? Where basically at the end said, you know my number, call me. All of my future ballots will be handled through me personally and MP promotions. You know my number, Call me, which really is a middle finger to Bob, but let's be really honest. From everything we've heard about Aram and Manny's relationship, both on paper and not on paper, and when I say on paper, I mean contractually, Pack owes him a crap load of money and is probably on his top rank deal on, still on the deal for like another 37 fights for all we know. Pack can keep trying to make MP promotions a thing, but Aram just talked to box, boxing scene and was like, I'm gonna fly to Philippines. I'm gonna meet with him face to face, cause face to face, uh, Manny's always different. Things always seem to change. Uh, this felt, I don't know if Manny tweeted this or if it's his new PR guy, but this felt a very Kanzian move to tweet out, hey guys, I'm on my own now, so I'm gonna make my own decisions. No, you can't be on your own because you've, you're too deep with Bob. You can't. Tell me what I'm, tell me what I'm talking about here. Well, you're right. However, if if Manny isn't going to fight in the States anymore, if he's mostly going to make fights out out there in the wilderness where he can make whatever money they're willing to give him and all that stuff, Bob, I don't think, sure, he can try and bring him to court, but if he's never going to come back here to, to, to deal with it, what difference does it make? Bob probably has some paper on Manny, but 
it'll be interesting to see how he can enforce that uh, if Manny is sort of playing in a different arena than Bob is. And so uh, we will see. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 know how they I can hope make it up. works out because I'd like to see some of those fights. What's that hotel in the Philippines that Aram likes? I have a good way that they can make up. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women <laughs> in my life in one short period of time. Manny will be back under the top rank banner after one time in the Philippine Garden hotel you know that right manila whatever it's called it's possible you never know um uh but of course i don't know if uh, manny's born again christian uh values will will permit that sort of uh, chicanery but we'll time will tell i mean you know about 2013 just get get up with the times Rafe. that's where we're at hey uh did you see the floyd 50 cent feud on instagram you into that at all or should we move on I liked when Floyd had that line about uh, 50 should be a blogger because all he he has no life and, and just talks crap about people. So here's what we think we know about this feud, right? Before Floyd went to prison in 2012 after the Cotto fight, they were best friends boys, right? I remember I covered that Ortiz-Berto fight part one. They were ringside together at, at Foxwoods in Connecticut because they took a helicopter from 50 Cent's mansion he bought from Mike Tyson in Farmington, Connecticut. And now – and. Was the narrative, am I correct on this, on what the internet narrative was post-jail, that 50 wanted to go into promotion with Floyd, but wanted to do it without Heyman, and may or may not have slept with Miss Jackson while Floyd was in prison, and then when Floyd saw that 50 wanted to cut Heyman out, that's when he turned on him? Am I right or wrong? Did you? It, I know it's like six years ago, but I'm trying to remember all this. I don't really care, man. I, I don't remember. I, I also don't remember the actual blow by blow of who did what to whom. And also, if even if we remembered these details, they probably aren't true. Uh, these are two guys who probably they, they, they could just as likely be staging this to help both of them out. Right. Because neither of them are actually doing the things that they became famous for right now. So they have to they got to do fake stuff to get real hype. Alright. Just like the current feud with Dana White and Brendan Schaub in the UFC, which I know you don't care about because you have a lot of strong feelings on, on UFC and MMA in general. UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys. Uh, but this, uh, I hope it doesn't end with somebody in a body bag, alright, Rafe? Yeah, I like fun and games, alright? Until somebody gets hurt, okay? I agree. I don't think that the, uh, you never know, but yeah, I agree. Absolutely. We hope that, I hope that will not happen. Luckily, Broner and Takashi69 was a work. Luckily, Rafe. Luckily. All right. Hey, Anthony Joshua told the son, that British tabloid, here it comes, Rafe. If the Wilder fight doesn't happen next April, quote, I'll happily fight Tyson Fury. Shout out to the Irish crew. Hey, oh! On the Irish crew, hey, hey. Here we go. Take a punches like Mike Tyson. Bruno. Okay, I popped for this rave because I got interviews I'm going to play you with Hearn and AJ from last Tuesday before this interview. Where, of course, one of the questions was, hey, guys, stop fooling around. I know you can make more money fighting Fury than you probably could Wilder. So could this happen? Could they steal the show? Both guys, well, you know, we're not really sure. That that just showed you what, what I thought all along. Eddie never wanted to do Wilder Joshua in 2018. And if Tyson Fury is ready and in shape and coming off a decent win, they will happily push Wilder off even more, Rafe. That's my thoughts on that. I think that's very possible. I, I heard Barry Hearn, the patriarch, 
talking on the BBC Five Live boxing podcast with either Steve Bunce or um, the other guy on there. The warlock um, or no warlock? No warlock. I, I, he's guardian. Warlock does is is the guardian guy. Um, and the and the the you know the chest suit. What's it called? The vest chest. The chest Waistcoat? vest. The what? Waistcoat. 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 Yeah, yeah. Warlock got the waistcoats. Anyway, Barry Hearn was on there saying, "Look, in in a perfect world, there would be opponents. There would be enough decent opponents for Wilder and Joshua to continue beating guys for a couple more years to make this a oh, truly global it. event. Oh my so, god! Just oh he, wow! Just stop it, right, Rafe? Like just stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! That's disappointing to hear, but it, I do think it it provides you a window into the true mindset of what how they would like to play this out. Now, Hearn also said, look, people want it now, and there's going to be a lot of pressure, and the other fighters out there, if they if these two continue winning, aren't really that good or interesting to, to keep stringing it along. So he thought that it would happen before then. But you never know. He could have been telling you the truth in the first the first statement and not telling you the truth in the second. All right, let's uh, hear, let's before we get too deep in this, let's hear the sound I recorded last Tuesday. Upcoming right now interviews. Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua, DAZN CEO James Rushton talking about what the boxing will look like on the DAZN app moving forward and fighters Jesse Vargas and Demetrius Andrade Boo Boo himself. Enjoy. Unified heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua will kick off Matchroom Boxing's deal with the Zone in the United States September 22nd in London against Alexander Povetkin. It's a U.S. launch, Anthony. So if yeah, I'm going to yeah. speak for the U.S. fan that's watching yeah. this, they'd say, "Why Povetkin? Why not Deontay Wilder right now?" Wilder's situation has been ongoing since what are we in now? 2017. After I fought Takam, negotiations were always being broken down to a point where I have to face a challenger. And I've been in a position where I've worked with, you know, people who wanted to fight. So after that Takam fight, I fought Parker, who was a champion. I didn't go the easy route. And then, uh, so after I fought Parker, we had still been negotiating to try and get this Wilder fight. And then the uh, mandatory challenges pop up. Unfortunately, either you give up your belt or you face your mandatory challenger. So I'm going to face my mandatory challenger because nothing had been agreed. And um, what, what I've done in between now, I said, all right, we set some dates location we've had conversations of points that have been agreed not agreed so we've taken all the agreed points the location that people are happy with the venue to get it kick-started on and um on my end uh we still did deal so honestly all it needs now is you know one more signature from the u.s fans point of view watching this soap opera unfold we hear a lot of eddie hearn we hear a lot of shirley finkel wilder's always posting videos you've been quiet behind the scenes so what is your response when you hear deontay wilder saying if we're doing this in april i gotta have the 50 50 uh you know you don't get what you deserve in business you get what you negotiate he doesn't deserve 50 50 but if he negotiates a good enough deal you know he may get 50 50 that's what i would expect from my management team so you're going to call that shot but you know, unfortunately, you have to look at the difference between uh, reality and fantasy. In the fantasy world, 50-50 would be great. But in reality, that's not how boxing works. And unfortunately, why I don't say much on these negotiations is because, you know, I'm not really interested, and like the rest of the fans, in about money and that. Because there's enough on the table, you know. There's enough money on the table for us to eat. 
So that's not my priority. The priority is getting in the ring and fighting for this unification, uh, for this undisputed heavyweight championship. So um, that's why I don't really talk too much about the negotiations and the breakdowns because ultimately, all anyone cares about is is the fight and who's going to win. You know, the fans look at it from a machismo point of view, but it's a business. There's financial no, realities to is, it. This is where I'm coming from: is that for everyone else that's talking about it, yeah, yeah, these are the breakdowns. But for the fighter, I'm ready to fight, and I've been doing this seven times at a world championship level so yeah the business side but I've always handled that we've always handled that abruptly um, convincingly and managed to secure fights so there shouldn't be any different with the uh, Deontay Wilder situation so I understand there is a business side but most importantly why the fans do tune into the zone um, and, and you know Sky Sports in the UK is to watch us fight not to sit in there and they don't want to watch us negotiate in the ring they want to watch us go to war and that's what I stand for so that's what I'm waiting for and as I said is that we took the good points we set the dates the location um, and all we need now is someone's ink to dry. And I certainly am going to ask you about Pavekin in a second, but to close on Wilder, there's maybe a belief for fans that aren't in on the financials that you could make more money against other opponents than Deontay Wilder. Is that a truth? You know, um, as long as you're true to your sport and, and you stay in it for long enough and you stay dedicated, money will always kind of follow the process. So, yeah, I can make money. I can make money working in, in another job, you know. So as long as my bills are covered, making money is a good a good thing so to make excessive amounts of money that's a blessing so I'm not I'm not overstressing because it's a blessing to be involved in the sport and be and hold one of the the best prizes in sport in history so all I'm interested in honestly no matter if I'm fighting another opponent than Don Tawada is fighting him because he has a title I want and I've got four of them and he's got one of them and I want to add that to my collection all right, September 22nd in London. We expect 90,000 at Wembley for Alexander Povetkin, and this is no, you know, booby prize. This is a legitimate, dangerous fight. Dangerous Another enough one. that Another people one. are saying, you're taking a chance. You're risking this potential unification Super Bowl fight by taking on this difficult challenger. You know, um, you know, after the tackle fight, I started looking at, well, always, I've always looked at who I'm fighting and what they're about, and it's always important to study your opponent because you never want to underestimate your challenger. But at the same time, I've come to grips with the fact that I've been so patient, and this is kind of affecting my, my psyche in terms of how I approach a fight. So, yeah, Alexander Povetkin is a very worthy champion, and everyone knows that. Yeah, he might not be the most uh, aggressive on social media and have the most followers in today's era, but in terms of pedigree, we know what he's about. Olympic champion, world title challenger, blah de blah blah So I'm just going to focus on Povetkin, but ultimately, my goal beyond that is to become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. So banana skin or not, if I slip, I ain't staying down for the 10 count. I'm going to get back up, you know, brush that off, and I'm still going to stay on my course to, to Deontay Wilder. Well, not only is Povetkin dangerous from a power standpoint and experience, amateur background, there's also the background with the drug testing issues. Yeah. Tell me about those discussions when his name comes up. What needs to happen for you to be able to be comfortable in taking this fight? What I've learned is that I don't tend to care anymore about what other people are doing with their situation. You know, whatever Povetkin or other people that have been found using banned substances have been doing is between them and their team um, I don't know the ins and outs what he was caught for but what I do do is invest um, back into the show to have independent uh, drug testers to visit himself visit myself so um, we enroll in uh, new independent anti-doping agencies and you know they should be testing him and if they are he should be clean and uh, I'm confident he's a clean fighter right now I think he made a mistake then and he's got it right um, but you know all these 
banana skins, is he on P- PEDs or whatever you call them? Is he uh, a banana slip? Oh, is he going to fight Wilder? The focus is on me. That's what I'm focused on. I'm looking at the man in the mirror and being the best man possible. Well, in the U.S., the zone wins out for this fight. Yes. Your c- contract with Showtime ended when you defeated Joseph Parker. We thought there would be a giant bidding war. Showtime said all along, we've been loyal to him since the beginning. We expect loyalty back. What does this DAZN move mean for the potential of you fighting at Showtime again? Business ain't about loyalty. Business is about making the right decisions for your career. You know, um, we're all working together. There's HBO, DAZN, there's Sky, there's uh, all these other broadcasters. Um, so it's not about I'm going to stay put because... Um, we're loyal it's like being in an abusive relationship you have to make moves for the better of your life and that's what I'm doing right now is making moves for the better of my career Um, it's a good a good uh, channel to be a part of honestly and I strongly believe that and so is Showtime Um, so is HBO so is Sky Sports they're all unbelievable broadcasters Um, and one day I may you know have a chance to box on HBO because I haven't had that chance yet I've done Showtime I've done Design I've done Sky Sports but it's no love lost it's not just about being loyal it's about making the right choices in my career because it doesn't last forever well there's a lot of money out there for big names if Tyson Fury comes back in the conversation would you push Deontay Wilder off because I think you'd make more money against Tyson than you ever would against Wilder I said I'm I'm paying my bills which is the main thing and to make excessive amounts of money isn't always a priority It, it just comes with the territory so you know Tyson Fury I was supposed to fight him after um I fought after he fought Klitschko but he got injured so I ended up fighting Klitschko um, so there's no problem fighting Tyson Fury money or no money I'll fight him regardless you see what it's like on that stage women are pride it don't matter about money we can take it on the, you know we're professionals but we have that ego in us and uh, we don't mess around so money isn't always the main objective to fight someone um, it comes with the territory because we have a great team around us of business people but when you're looking at the other side of my shoulder, I'm a straight warrior, and I'll fight Fury and Wilder in the same night if I could. All right, I want to close with this a tactical question. September 22nd, you're going to be fighting Povetkin. The last two fights coming off of that Klitschko fight where you got up off the deck and knocked him out, you were more defensive. You were more tactical against Joseph Parker. I'd never seen you that slow in setting up. Yeah, Is, yeah, was yeah. there a change after getting knocked down by Klitschko that maybe you need to alter your style a bit? No, I think that, you remember, like, other... From the amateurs, it took me three years to go from walking in the gym to get to the Olympics. From turning professional, it took me three years from having my first pro fight to uh, fighting for the IBF strap. So I've had to learn along the way. And, you know, there's always been a fight after a fight. Andy Joshua's fighting Charles Martin, and once he beats him, he's fighting Brazil. And once he fights Brazil, he's fighting Molina. And if he beats Molina, Klitschko's waiting ringside to get in the ring. And after I fought Klitschko, um, I, I was going to fight... Parker or Wilder so there's always been someone after and as I said what I said about my psyche earlier is that it's changed I'm not interested in who I'm fighting and if their banana skin slips anymore I'm interested in where my goal is and what I'm destined to do so it's kind of um, I've had to learn from I'm still physically a danger but I've had to change my psyche and uh, I think this is chapter two in, in, in my boxing career. I think you just said your lethal weapon is your mind AJ September 22nd Alexander Povetkin on DAZN thank you so much thank you bro Sweaty New York City with the most promiscuous man in boxing. He's been interviewed by everyone today. Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Sport, the big deal with the zone, but the big announcement. 
Anthony Joshua, Alexander Povetkin will kick off the DAZN US deal September 22nd. US fans are going to say, Eddie, this is the reason we're not getting Wilder. Speak to the US fans. No, the reason we're not getting Wilder is he refused to sign a contract on the terms he agreed. So we hope that fight gets made April 13th. Of course, everybody wants that fight, you know, and Povetkin is a very, very tough fight. You look at the Ring Magazine rankings, which is like the independent rankings that you can't moan about, if you like. You've got Anthony Joshua, number one, Deontay Wilder, number two, Alexander Povetkin, number three. So Anthony Joshua in just 22 fights is fighting the best of the best consecutively. So this is a tough fight against Povetkin and a lot of people trying to get in the way and Jarrell, big baby Miller up there trying to do a good job of that as well. And it's exciting times. Well, I'm not, I don't want to look past Povetkin. I want to ask you about that in a second, but specifically to close out Wilder, the American fans do look at you at a villain, as a villain. Yeah. They say, look, Everybody the does. last Everybody. few months was a soap opera that we yeah. got sucked into. They think you never wanted to do that in 2018. So, i got to ask you this, Eddie. Ask me what you mean. Is there more money in an Anthony Joshua Povetkin fight or an Anthony Joshua Fury fight than there ever would be in a Joshua Wilder? No, I think I think the Wilder fight is probably the biggest fight in world boxing. If we didn't want the con- if we didn't want the fight, I would never have sent them a contract. I wouldn't have spent four months wasting my time travelling around, late night phone calls, agreeing terms. We agreed terms with them. We sent them a contract. They didn't send it back. They didn't even send any comments back. So... Again, it has been a soap opera. It has been extremely frustrating. Who's to blame? Probably us a little bit. Probably them a little bit. But the fact is, this fight will continue to grow. You will get it. We just have to keep winning. You know, and, and Joshua's got a tough fight against Povetkin. This is not easy. And I don't know who Wilder's going to fight next, but we hope he wins, and we hope we can get this made for the fans. Now, Wilder, of course, said, I want to do it in April still, but I'm getting 50-50. Can you address that so we can put that to bed? Yeah, he's certainly not. I mean, he agreed terms with us for his fight. Purse, all the, all the, the main points. We sent him a contract, he didn't sign it. So that contract is still valid, as far as I'm concerned. It's not going to change. You know, Anthony Joshua's profile is going to continue to rise and Wilders is not so I feel like we're quite generous offering the same terms for the April fight let's not get into that now they've got the contract they can come back on the points they sign it the fight's on but 50-50 is uh, certainly not happening but I like Deontay Wilder they're both really good for the sport I just wish Wilder was bigger over here he deserves to be bigger he's a great fighter He, he talks great he's entertaining no one knows who he is He's the world heavyweight champion. He shouldn't be able to walk down any street in America without being recognized. All right, Eddie, you got a war chest now. Yes. You got eight years, one billion dollars. No, no waistcoat today. Speaking no, of chest, I don't know if that's that. a smart decision. That's your thing, by the exactly. way. But you got a war chest. This is a big deal with the zone. But when Anthony Joshua's contract was up in March with Showtime, we thought we would see a bidding war. Showtime came out publicly and said, "We've been loyal to AJ. We think he deserves to be loyal to us." Does this mean? From your terms, Anthony Joshua and Showtime are finished by this DAZN deal. Not really. I mean, look, I spoke to Stephen Espinosa. He emailed me yesterday. And this is not about closing the doors to people. This is about a platform that have offered considerably more money than anybody else. Um, this is about a platform that myself and Anthony see a future in. Um, it was a good opportunity. How long will Joshua fight on DAZN? We'll see. Certainly the plan is to stay on DAZN. Um, but for DAZN subscribers, what you're going to get in the first event of the year is the biggest star in world boxing, defending the Unified Heavyweight World Championships in front of 90,000 people in the National Stadium in the UK. It's a major coup for DAZN. So, again, I spoke to Peter Nelson. I spoke to HBO. These guys had their opportunity to bid on the fire. Um, it, it wasn't close. 
So this is this is the direction we're going in. Does Joshua become a fight-by-fight free agent in the U.S., or is this a DAZN relationship that you're ready? The plan is to have a long-term relationship with DAZN. We DAZN also understand that there are opportunities for Joshua with other broadcasters. There may be an opportunity for DAZN to link up with another broadcaster on this fight and show the delayed rights to increase Joshua's profile and reach as well. So these guys, DAZN are smart. You know, they're not... It's not about ego. It's not about blocking out other broadcasters. It's about providing great content to fight fans to give fight fighters exposure, a regular schedule, money. And this is what's great for fighters. So we're going to build that first show, US show, October the 6th from Chicago. Loads of new announcements coming over the next uh, well, I want to few talk weeks. About that because mm-hmm. I love the, the Demetrius Andrade. I love Jesse Vargas. Yeah. But when you came out with the war chest, yeah. there were names like Charlo, Broner, yeah. Thurman. Is there something to the correlation of the PBC where you didn't get any of those big names? Or at least you didn't get them yet. Will you get a chance it's to early get them? Days. Well, we had seven or eight weeks, so it's about penetrating the weight divisions. We have three world champions already all signed up to the zone. We have a lot of good talent, number one in the WBO in Demetrius Andrade, etc., etc. Jarrell Miller, top five heavyweight in the world. It's about now going back to people like Mikey Garcia, Maurice Hooker, WBO, light, light welterweight champion of the world. Going back to people like Mikey Garcia and saying, I've got a better plan for you. Fight Maurice Hooker for the WBO light welterweight title, then fight Jesse Vargas, then we can look at a Spence or those kind of guys. So it's early days, and there's going to be people, as always, trying to block us, trying to stop us. That's all part of the fun. I love it. I live for that stuff. And it's been full of that for the last six or eight weeks. Don't sign with Hearn. Don't sign with Hearn. Whatever you do, don't sign with Hearn. And there'll be people coming out going, oh, I'm really pleased that so-and-so signed with Hearn. That's a great move for his career. Well, your competitors are already publicly saying there's an out after two years. If Eddie doesn't deliver for DAZN, it's over. They're incorrect on that as well. But, you know, they can say what they want to stop fighters signing with us. The proof will be in the pudding. And you're going to love what you see on DAZN. All right, Joshua Pavekin's a real fight, a yeah, dangerous very, fight. Very, very dangerous fight. What were the discussions like? I know it's a mandatory yeah. point, but Pavekin has the drug testing issues. Yeah. What needed to happen on your end to feel comfortable putting out Joshua in this fight? Well, he has he's already signed up to VADA random testing, but above and beyond that, in every Anthony Joshua fight, we have our own random oh, sorry, our own uh, camp testing for VADA. So it's an additional 12-week process where they will get tested virtually every week randomly leading up to the fight. Like you can't, you know, you can't cheat. So that was important to us, but you know, really, it's a, it's a great fight. It's an extremely dangerous fight, and I can't wait. September twenty second, live on the zone. To close, Eddie, you got a lot of enemies these days because Most you have enemies. success. Who's the biggest yeah. enemy? Who's the biggest one staring down at you? We got a lot of people coming after you. I always think that when you got enemies and you got haters, you got to be doing something right. So bring them on. But I'm not losing focus. This is about providing entertainment, great nights for fight fans on the zone. Like I said, 16 of our US shows, 16 of our UK shows, three weight classes in the World Boxing Super Series. That's a great acquisition for fight fans. Bellator schedule as well. It's $2.50 a week. Go get it. Sign on. Too bad you didn't get Tyson Fury. I want to see Joshua Fury pretty bad. You might see that in time as well. All right. Eddie, congratulations on everything. Great stuff. Cheers. James Russian, the CEO of DAZN, <laughs> making big waves in the combat sports field right now. And I want to start right there. You got a Bellator MMA deal. Yep. You got matchroom boxing with Eddie Hearn. Yep. From a vision standpoint of, of marching into the United States, why combat sports? Why was there an opening here? Uh, well, as I say on stage, 
Generally, I think fighter fans here in the US have been getting a bad deal for a long, long, long time. And what we're all about at Design, we're a fans first business. We're all about, we're created by fans for fans. And so it sort of naturally came to us. If you're going to try and disrupt a genre of sports in the US uh, where fans are getting a bad deal, then what a great place to start in terms of fight sports. Um, the idea of what we're trying to do, real simple, we're going to put pay-per-view quality shows on our service, but take away the pain of 50, 60, $70 pay-per-view fights. It's going to be $9.99, one simple subscri- subscription fee per month. Now, from an MMA standpoint, Bellator MMA, it's a, it's a league. It's a contained item. It's a great pickup for you. Boxing, a much more splintered atmosphere. you got a lot of cynical fans now, and I, heard, I know you hear this, that say, hey, James, I'm paying... 12 bucks for Showtime. I'm paying 4.99 for ESP and I'm paying for pay-per-views. How will DAZN break into that market and say yes you will give us your 9.99? Really simple. Um, and I, I said this and I, I say this to my team all the time. This is easy. This this stuff creating a splash, creating an event, uh, uh, banging our chest, that's easy. The hard work comes on putting on great events and great shows and we've known Matchrooms uh, the guys at Matchroom for a very long time we think Eddie is an absolute genius at what he does and really simple uh, fans will come in they will see the quality of the shows the quality of the fights and they will realise that you know the other competitors they can't compete with us so they don't have the quality of content they don't have the quality of cards that we'll be putting on uh, and because we can have a free trial, 30 days, you can try us, experience. If you don't like it, hey, that's fine. But I guarantee you, uh, the fight fans out there, they will absolutely love the quality of the shows and the services that we're putting on. All right, if you win over the fight fans, that's a great first step. They're the consumers. But you do have to win over the boxers, opponents. And while you announce some good names, will we see boxers under the flags of other networks or promoters come to DAZN? Maybe not sign with them long-term, but be able to come across the, the street to you guys you and make what, big fights. You know what I love about fight sports as well, uh, money talks. Right? This is this this you know they're, they're not like uh, soccer or NBA or NFL. These guys aren't in five-year contracts. Multi. These are these guys are in one, two, three-fight uh, contracts maximum. So um, either those guys stay with their promoters and move over to us on a fight-by-fight basis, or we. Br- we bring them over when their contract expires. We're we're very confident. Why we've invested so much money with Matchroom to give Eddie, uh, as he calls it, the artillery to go and do some damage. Um, and so no, I'm. It's something that obviously I'm not a boxing promoter, so you have to sort of tread carefully about exactly how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it. But I do think there's an opportunity to to rock the boat, to really disrupt, because ultimately the industry's made is not like other sporting bodies or governing bodies it's based on relatively short-term contracts what is the plan whether we're talking eddie hearns matchroom boxing or bellator mma which is a really really red hot brand itself for shoulder content for content around just the fights yeah so we are um obviously john skip has come on board as part of our part of the executive team john is uh an absolute master at creating programming and so as you can imagine um, we're having some very interesting conversation about what DAZN Originals is our original content and I think what we've come to the and I'm not going to uh, spoil the party yet you know, you, you have to the, I can see the creative director in the background going crazy but what we have said is that it's really easy to tell the behind the scenes 
narrative of Anthony Joshua, right? Actually, that, and that's important. What's also important is the other 11 fighters on that card, and actually the story behind the story for those fights. And the reason why that's important is because um, we, we are genuine what we're trying to do here. We're trying to reconnect fans and fighters. And the way to do that is not to reconnect when they're 21-0, undisputed world champion. It's to do it when they're 3-0, 4-0, and coming up the ranks. That's why we're going to broadcast every single one of our fights live, and that's why we're going to invest in original programming uh, with our big stars, but also with our upcoming stars as well. Have you signed an announced team, a talent team that you're ready to announce at this point? Uh, well, we've, start, we've signed Michael, Michael Buffer. Obviously, he was here today, and he's going to be doing all of our all of our uh, uh, matchroom events. He's also going to be involved in DAZN in terms of a promotion ambassador uh, and working with us that way. So look out for some funny stuff on social media with Michael. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the, uh, our ambassadors, we we know who they are, but we're we're going to hold that powder dry. There's a little bit of a gap between now and when we actually launch, so we, we need a, we need to sort of uh, you know tease a few things out over the next couple of uh, months. Well, you guys have made enough noise early where people are going. Dazn, what the heck is this? Dazn, Dazan, what the? How do we say this? Did you did you name this? Because I love the the uh, when we announced the Bellator and all the Bellator fighters saying, "Is this Dazn?" Oh yeah. Um, Listen, the the, I actually like the fact that it creates a conversation. Uh, I'd much rather have a brand that people want to talk about, and uh, and as a business, we don't mind that. We we can smile and laugh and uh, and joke at ourselves. The idea behind the brand originally was um, and. Feel like a creative agency here is that the being in the zone, whether you're playing or watching the sport, you get in the zone. Uh, we just don't like vowels, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this people listening to this interview are MMA and boxing fans. What else are they going to get for nine ninety nine on the zone? This is a commercial here. What do you got for me? Well, listen, we're we're unashamedly going to focus on fight sports from the start, right? So uh, we do want to invest in other sports. The problem is I can't I can't ex- exactly tell you who we're speaking to and what about because then uh, I'm going to lose a negotiating position or or you know the guys at ESPN Plus might be watching they might be, they might find out what we're what we're up to. Um, but so w- w- what I can say we've got 70 shows for uh, fight fight uh, nights already booked. I reckon by the time we sort of go live in September, I reckon we'll have 100 fight nights bucks. We continue to speak to other MMA brands. We continue to speak to other fight and combat sport brands. Um, so there'll be a lot more fighting. The rest of it, I'm sorry, you just have to wait until I get those contracts signed. All right, I want to close on a specific boxing question here because when you guys made the announcement with Eddie Hearn, he's talking about a war chest, eight years, one billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not something to, to shake your head at. That's a lot of money that yeah. got everybody's attention. Yeah. But your competitors in America... I've heard some of them. They said, well, there's a two-year out if Eddie can't pull this off. Is that a true statement? No, no, listen. We're, 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 it, it, it's, isn't it interesting how when you come into a market, uh, people start to... Uh, uh, they love to sort of pick holes in things. Um, we are absolutely committed to Eddie for, for the eight years. Uh, now we've worked with Matchroom, by the way, for since Perform Group was started. Now we've known Eddie uh, for 13, 14 years. Uh, we've known his father at the same time. We are uh, we are friends as much as business partners, and uh, we we are in it for the long haul. Uh, and by the way, that means we know that. 
any, like any relationship, it'll be good and bad, and there'll be there'll be ups and downs. That's fine. We're, well, we are absolutely committed. The number that we, we reported, the billion uh, investment, is the number. It's a lot of money, James Rushton. Well, it is a lot of money, but like I said, you want to get the biggest and best fighters on this platform. You do that by putting up big purses. Um, so that no, we're looking forward to it. But no, listen, there's no there's no truth to the idea that no, we or Matchroom have a get out. We are absolutely locked in for the eight years. Hey, get ready, fight fans! In September, you're going to be in the zone if you got nine ninety nine a month. I wish you the best of luck, James Rushton. This is a great splat. Thank you. Yeah, the zone. <laughs> Thank you. Here with one of the biggest announcements from Eddie Hearn's DAZN deal with Matchroom Sports. It's, of course, welterweight contender Jesse Vargas, the two-division champion. This was a big decision for you because Eddie threw the war chest, if you will, at a lot of different fighters who had been under the PBC banner. You accepted it. Talk about that decision. Well, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the minute that, that Eddie came to me, explained uh, explained the platform, explained to me what they had planned for DAZN, you know, he won me over. You know, he told me exactly what he had in store for me. He, had, he explained to me exactly what he had in store for the zone, you know, with Anthony Joshua making his appearance September 22nd. I myself fight October 6th. An MMA uh, fight will be uh, organized for September 29th in San Jose. We have several things coming, uh, not only boxing, not only MMA. We have other sports as well. And um, I felt that it was it was a, a good opportunity for me. You know, uh, it's, it's very affordable for, for any... Uh, anyone that's interested in watching sports and inter- entertainment and you know it's, it's a monthly subscription and you know you can watch it you know on your mobile device on, on, on your television or, you know so I, I just see a lot of a lot of advantages when it came to the zone and i'm looking forward to now the, the to question the- you'll get i would assume from fans that maybe have questions would say can you still get the same opponents now because this does splinter the market a little bit and when you were with showtime and pbc they were heavy on welterweights, heavy on junior welterweights. What kind of opponents could be available to you through Eddie? Well, uh, you know, that was a question that I had for Eddie, and he said, I mean, the number ranges from the the names of fighters ranges from, from anyone to Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn, to, to Broner. I mean, I mean, fights could still be made with the guys that are fighting on Showtime now. You know, there's still possible fights. The only thing I just ha- I just need my advisors, matchroom boxing to to make it all happen because they're the ones that negotiate for me. They're the ones that handle the business aspect, and I'm I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm I see myself as in a great position to expect great things to happen. You know me. Everybody knows me. I'm the type of fighter that comes to give you entertainment, to be involved in the biggest fights of the year. And that's no different. You know, right now, being with the zone, we're going to have the same outcome, and you're going to enjoy it. You know, I'm going to prepare properly to give you entertainment, excitement, as always. Well, speaking of exciting, your fight with Adrian Broner earlier this year, I was there at the Barclays Center, one of the better fights I've seen in years at ringside. It was a body fest, if you will. I know you had the body snatcher, Mike McCallum, in your corner. This seemed like a change for you. I mean, you've been aggressive at times in the past. You started your career maybe as more of a pure boxer. But this version, you talk about entertainment of Jesse Vargas, man, you went for it. That was fun stuff. Exactly. I mean, you know what? The be- Honestly, quite honestly, what I was what I was thinking during the fight, the first six rounds, seven rounds, I, I blew them out. I outboxed them. And um, I heard a few people wanting, I could tell from the audience that they wanted a little more. I said, you know what? Let's give it to them. And the eighth round kicked in. I said, let's make it a fight. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I, um, I chose to, to make it a brawl. To, uh, in the-
It's a long pause. Nah, you know what? We can make the rematch, and I'm looking forward to making the rematch. You know, that's something for sure. Um, you know, usually after the fight, you know, um, you know, you, you you shake hands and that's that. But but when a person continues to talk smack after the fight, you know, then that's when you you take it a little personal because after the fight, you you know, you're supposed to show good sportsmanship on both sides. All right. All right. Hey, Jesse, we know you, you're looking nice in the suit. You already know how to dress. Eddie Hearn, your new promoter, though, is always wearing waistcoats, three-piece suits. He knows how to dress. You're going you're gonna to up the budget a little bit more to, to live up to his expectations? You know what? He's always quite dapper. And um, what can I say? You, uh, I'm trying to keep the style as well. <laughs> <laughs> we expect to see you in some fun fights moving forward to close. Do you have any idea who the opponent or what level the opponent will be in Chicago in October? Definitely. It's going to be uh, one of the top guys in the division. So tune in. I'm, I'm awaiting the decision from my promoter and advisors uh, when confirming the, the name. I do know that they have a list of very good fighters. One more thing. This is a big move for you personally. The boxing business is a separate fight than what happens in the ring. Some guys don't win out in the end. Some guys are savvier than others. Floyd, for example, has put on a different blueprint. He's on top. How big is this moment for you in terms of everything you've learned? through ups and downs in the business decisions you made. How big is this for you personally, for your family? Well, this is a humongous opportunity. Not only that, but a humongous decision. Business decision for me. Um, you know, but I, I really thought it through. You know, I, I uh, took I took uh, took my time and, you know, after, after Eddie explaining to me what's behind the zone, you know, it's a win-win situation. I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a first step to, to, to first step to a bigger platform and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, best of luck, Jesse Burris. Great talking to you. you. We'll see you October 6th, That's Chicago right. on the zone. That's right. Unbeaten middleweight contender, Demetrius Andrade. Look, when we talk about who are the best middleweights in the world, sometimes people forget that name and I say, when he finally comes back, we're going to have to talk about him. Now you're back, you signed a deal with the zone, Eddie Hearn of Matrix Sports, you got out of your former deal after two years. How does it feel to be free? It, feel, it, feel, it felt great, you know. It felt great to be able to, you know, take matters in my own hand. You know, I did the boss move, got my promoters out of there, and now I'm here in a great position with Mass Room, and we're ready to make noise and get things going and let people know that, you know, um, boxing's been missing one of the best fighters and the best talent in the game, so I'm still going to be fast squeezed. I was used to him, and, it, <laughs> and it's going to be a whole lot of action. You know, we're ready to get in there with the best. You know, I, I assume it had to be frustrating to be away. We've seen that sometimes. Mikey Garcia went away for a couple years to get out of his contract and get to a spot where he wants to be. What did you learn about yourself during this time when no one was talking about you and you know you have the talent? Yeah, motivation, man. Self-motivation. Motivating people also as well around me because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the bigger picture is the bigger picture. But to get to the bigger picture, you got to go through your bumps. you got to go through your obstacles. And the obstacles are, you know, maybe crabs in a bucket, but you got to find a way to get up out of there. So that's what we end up doing. I kept the smile. kept good faith. You know, I pray. I believe in God. And look where I, I, look where I am now. You know, a lot of people would have gave up a long time ago and would have said, you know, forget this. This is not working. I'm in a bad situation. But we figured get out how to make ends meet and I'm here I'm happy and I'm ready to show the world and myself like what I'm made of uh, and I know through that process that 
I developed the character and the growth that I have inside me. Now I can start displaying to people what they've been missing also, and that I know <laughs> we're going to win at the end of the day. <laughs> now, you're so uniquely talented that you could become a guy who's avoided by the big names. Now, you have a personality. You can talk. Now that you're back on the screen in front of cameras, it'll help you. But how do you get those big names now? You know, with Mashroom Boxing, Eddie Hunts in the background and everything that's going on with the zone, Dazzin, you know what I'm saying? They told me how to pronounce it a few times, you know what I'm saying? They're like, mess it up, mess it up, but the zone... It's not days in, I found out. Yeah, I know, right? We might get a good rest sleep, but, you know. But, um, yeah, so, at the end of the day, I have a great team now. I have We have the financials behind us to make any fight happen. So, there's no more excuses for the other opposite side, the opponent or their team to be like, oh, I'm not a matchmaker, um, get your team right. Um, um, no, um, risk versus reward. Like, there's no more of that. It's done. It's done. The boy is here. I'm back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm excited and ready to go. Are we going to see you on that first U.S. card, October 6th, I believe, in Chicago? Is that a reality for you? Uh, you, you know, anything's possible. You know, I'm, I'm ready. Um, I'm, I've been, I've been, you know, inactive for a long time. So if they give me the word that this is where they want me to be at this time point, I'm going to be there. You know, there's there's a lot of talk through the IBF, the WBO. So we're just going to see which way the best way to go and and, and to be prepared, however and whenever. So I'm excited. I'm ready to fight whoever they claim to be the best. I claim to be the greatest. And so I want to show that. So I want to fight the guys that you know are in my weight division that are the best. But if they don't want to do it, you've been seeing I've been chasing them for a long time. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the cash cow eventually then. All right, quick roll call on this division now because this is a hot one right now. So let's start. Canelo Triple G2 in September. Who wins and why? Honestly, I don't care because, you know, you got a guy that was on drugs. At the end of the day, we are in a sport that we're already hurting each other. It's a tough, rough business outside the ring. And when you get in the ring, you're trying to take each other's head off. I can't condone that. You know, he should have been, they should have made a mock out of him. He should have been suspended a little longer and a big fine because we don't know how long he's been on it, if he continue to be on it. And this is not good for boxing, man. It's not, it's not, it's not clean. Like, we shouldn't be having this stuff. And I'm a clean athlete and that's what I embrace. Be yourself, work hard, be smart, work smart and hard. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really care, you know? Just, it's, it's, it's a shame, man. It's bad. It's just bad, man. Like, it's just bad, man. We be like, oh, Canelo, a six, six month suspension and then he's back in the ring and now he's fighting for millions and millions of dollars. Hey, money talks now. No, yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. But, you know, that doesn't, you know, it's good that the fact that he was on what he was on and he needed it to, you know, advance or be better at whatever he was looking to get out of it when, you know, you got organic Demetrius Andre, tall, black, and handsome, you know what I'm saying? Punching his way through, making it happen, you know? All right, what about Team Charlo? These Charlo brothers making a lot of noise. A lot of people saying they are the future of the junior middle and middleweight divisions. You, you respect these guys? At the end of the day, I respect anybody in boxing that's not doing the drug thing. You know what I'm saying? If they're doing it, I don't respect them either. But, you know, they're doing what they have to do. I, you know, I support all fighters, and I wish the best for them because at the end of the day, like, this is a tough, rough business and sport. So I want the best for everybody. But you get in there with me, it's going to be like, you get ready to retire. Or you're going to be like, I'm thinking twice about getting back in the ring. Boy, that boy's fast. <laughs> I didn't see that shit coming. Where the ice at? Where the ice? Pass me the ice, man. Pass me the ice. Are there any names? I know you're going to probably come back, get back in shape, tune up, probably climb a ladder. I'm sure Eddie's got a plan for you. But is there a name at the end of the road? It doesn't have to be a Canelo. It could be someone sooner that you're like, I want that guy. I want to prove myself against him. 
the best middleweight right now is Danny Jacobs. The best middleweight. He's not the most popular middleweight, but I think he's the best middleweight. He gave Triple G a hard time. I know he'll give Canelo a hard time. And, you know, I think that's a mega fight between us two. Or, you know, me and him team up to go beat up the sisters. Brothers versus the sisters. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Lions. It's getting hot in here. Right. You know, Lions only. Yeah, let's, 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 let's be Jacobs and go definitely go in that way and make it happen. Like, I'm all for it. But, um, you know, he is my brother as well. He, I think he's the best 160-pound weight class um, middleweight um, guy right now. And I'm looking to get in with whoever, though. Like, right. right now, my steps and my, 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 my obstacles right now are Billy Joe Saunders because I'm the mandatory, you know, or the other direction where it's Devachenko versus Denny ja- um, Jacobs, and I get the winner. So Hey, that's a good plan. We saw you on social media once, by the way, sparring with WWE superstar Enzo Amore, the real one, Eric Arndt. He had a rough ending with the company, but he's embarked on a rap career. You're still in touch. Are you listening to these jams right now? Yeah, definitely, man. You know, he's the real one. You know, what do we have here? A couple of haters. You know what I'm can saying? Can we get him rap you to the ring? Is that Can that be a reality? Yeah, we can make anything happen. You know, he's definitely a fa- fan-friendly um, person in the cameras. He knows how to get people in tune. And, yeah, I definitely have the real one. What do we got here? <laughs> Look how fast. Look how fast. Well, you're, you're fan-friendly yourself. Demetrius Andrade. Hey, folks, he's back. Check him out. The Zone. Check him out. Oh, yeah, now. Thank you. Appreciate you. Great stuff. All right, Rafe. We don't have a ton of time to digest this. Hearn gave you Hearn speak for the most part. AJ, fairly direct. couple points I want to hit real quick. Overall, like I said before we tossed these interviews, I'm not, maybe I'm just American biased, but I'm on the American side that think this deal fell apart mostly because of Eddie and because yeah, he would have taken it if Wilder was willing to take, like, ridiculously low money. And Wilder's already saying he was ready to take ridiculously low money, but I mean ridiculously low money. And you know what? It didn't work out. But a lot of people say the fly in the ointment was this DAZN deal. That once DAZN said, hey, for our launch, for our September launch, we want a fight with Anthony Joshua. And guess what? You can't do Joshua Wilder on DAZN. So that's the reason why they fought Pavekin. You heard I couldn't get AJ to commit to it. I couldn't get Eddie to commit to it. But it smells a little funny there, Rafe. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, it's hard to believe that that was not a big part of that decision. Uh, but so what? Joshua is the guy with the leverage, right? He is the big, by far A-side. And he is the real star. Wilder is the reality TV star who fights on the side, basically. It's um, a great point. As a, What's that? That's a great point. It's and it flows. It flows into what AJ said when I asked him about the fifty-fifty, and he laughed and he's like, "You don't deserve fifty-fifty. Like that's bottom line, you know. Like, and then you got Eddie saying he's the heavyweight champion of the world. If he walks out on the street and nobody knows who he is, then he's not marketable. Like that's the bottom line. And I can't really argue with that side of it. Yeah. Deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you can bargain for, what you can negotiate for. And you need something to to bring to that bargaining table. Otherwise, you're looking at bad deals. Uh, And that is likely what what is he'll eventually not. He could get better. It'll be a good deal. It will be. It's the classic Floyd. It's the classic Floyd deal, right? You fighting me for whatever I want to give you is the biggest payday of your career. So take it or leave it. That's what it's going to be. All right. What about AJ when I asked him about Showtime, about how, you know, they've broadcast all six of his title fights. Steven Espinosa said publicly, we've been loyal to him. We kind of expect that back when all of us as fans and journalists thought it'd probably be like a fight by fight 
big time negotiation because like you said, AJ's the A side. He's got that leverage. AJ said, look, Showtime, business, not about loyalty. It's about making the right decisions for your career. You have any issue with that? No. Why? The networks don't help any. I mean, they're, they're, they're not there to help anyone either. And some of that was just getting in early, trying, getting, paying a little bit of extra rights fees. They weren't even sending crews out to the UK to do the fights. I, they don't, I think if you're talking about loyalty, uh, and, and I don't think that an athlete does need owes his loyalty to anyone really other than himself, his family and the people he cares about. But he's Anthony Joshua has a much deeper, longer relationship with even Eddie Hearn, whatever we think about him, uh, working his entire professional career with him than Showtime Network or anyone in the United oh, yeah. States. I love Eddie, by the way. No waistcoat. I called him out on that. You heard in that interview, but uh, it is what it is. I love him. I do believe that he's not always telling the truth. But real quick, 10 seconds, your thought on the DAZN CEO referencing that everybody thinks it's pronounced days in saying – I actually like that it creates the conversation. I would much rather have a brand that people want to talk about. As businessmen, we wouldn't mind that. We can smile and laugh at ourselves. That sounds like BS to me, Brian. Yes, yes, it does. Thank you very much. And also, you heard Jesse Vargas there. Interesting. He's the only Heyman fighter that came over. That, to me, says that says Heyman told all his stars, which are mostly African-American stars, which said, look, Showtime's your money right now. Showtime, Showtime will help continue to make you a star. You'll be fighting in front of the general public for the most part. On Showtime, not on DAZN for this money. But both Rushton and Hearn said the rumors that, that the, this two-year deal would fall apart after two years and not eight, if Hearn didn't come through, they said it's not true. They're committed to Eddie for eight years. So if they're committed to Eddie for eight years, Rafe, then that means that money's going to be there. So you heard Eddie say, yeah, I got only Jesse Vergas right now from that group. But he's like, you'll see when I start throwing the money out there, money talks, and he he, na- he named that plan for Mikey Garcia. He said, hey, Mikey, sign with me. You can fight Maurice Hooker for a belt next. Then you can fight Jesse Vargas. And then you can fight Spence after that. So he's kind of showing you what it may look like. Do you think he will get any of those big Heyman names? Because if he doesn't, Rafe, this is only going to be like Match Room West, right? Like it's just going to be like a thing that you have to pay nine ninety nine for. It's possible. I don't It's it's. I, I really don't know if I can – Say, I, I think, yes, he will get a bunch of big names from the Heyman camp, uh, and money will talk. Now, if those guys are making big money and are happy with their careers and are fighting as much uh, as, as they want to with Showtime and, and managed by Al Heyman. Also, why wouldn't Al Heyman work with Eddie Hearn if the money is real? I mean, he's not a promoter. He's a manager. He can, he can, he can steer his fighters wherever he wants to. So I do think, I, I think if, the zone and matchroom USA is around for eight years, almost a decade. Some of those fighters will eventually do business over there because things change. Showtime's money, Showtime could do sort of what we've seen HBO do, and I hope this doesn't happen, but it is possible. Someone above Steven Espinosa in the corporate structure decides, hey, why do we spend so much money on boxing? Our our main competitor HBO doesn't is is even out of this or sort of has one foot out the door it seems. Why would we why why are we throwing buckets of money at this thing that doesn't get us huge ratings? Sure it gives us some it it, it, it means the boxing fans have to subscribe to Showtime. But you know, things all we things can change at the top and then the money and then the, some of the money dries up and then people got to go looking for more money. So if it, if this is a Eight, ten-year plan for Eddie Hearn and DAZN, sure. I do think some of those fighters will eventually do some business there. 
All right, so that's fair. I have nothing to add to that. That's, that's pretty fair. Weekend preview time, Ray, for I'm going to hit you like I always do with a couple quick hitters to start before we get into that Showtime card. You just tell me. Do you care, Ray? Friday night, Mexico City on Telemundo. Saul Baby Juarez versus Mario Andrade. Ten rounds, junior flyweights. No. From Zymin China on Friday, Rafe, Sho Kimura versus Froleon Saludar for Kimura's WBO flyweight title. Come on, Froleon Saludar. He's, he's, come on, you gotta, you gotta do better with these Pinoy uh, names. He's Filipino. You gotta, I can't you gotta, pronounce you show... any of these. You know who calls me out on Twitter about that? The Alex Godinez. That guy. Go D, go D's nuts. That guy's always calling me out on Twitter. My, my guy. I love that guy. Alright, but you do care about the co-main. You have to, right? Knockout CP Freshmart depend, defends his WBA strawweight crown against Chow Zong Zong. Knockout CP Freshmart, my favorite fighter who I've never bothered to watch once. Is he greater than Fasan 3K Battery in the, uh, in the Thailand here, sir? Not even close, man. The 3K battery just keeps coming. Yeah, that's true. Hey, from Friday, Bolton, England, David Price versus TBA. Eight or ten rounds heavyweights. What you got? I, I cannot wait to see TBA knock out David Price. It's going to be very dramatic. All right. To close this crap Friday, BN Sports is going to give us something from Laredo, Texas. Randy Moreno versus Victor Rosas, junior flyweights, eight rounds. You, you can't care. Lightweights, you can't care about that. No. I, I, I cannot hear Jimmy there. All right. Let's get into Saturday. It starts with an ESPN Plus card from Kissimmee, Florida. Did you know this card was happening, Rafe? Yes or no? No, not really. Although I even looked at the schedule last night and forgot already. All right, Christopher Diaz versus Masayuki Ito for the vacant WBO junior lightweight title. Will you be watching this? Because this is a skip. You take my hardcore box card from me. This is a skip. Okay, I'm sorry. Get me get get me excited about Christopher Diaz. Should I? Uh, he's he's handsome. He's very handsome. All right. Well, that brought me back in. All right. What we care about, Rafe, is Los Angeles Saturday night Showtime Staples Center. Mikey Garcia, Robert Easter Jr., unifying the WBC and IBF, both unbeatens. Rafe, despite the fact that Easter's coming off a couple performances that weren't his prime, that were a little questionable, but he still won, including the decision against Javier Fortuna, this is still a really good fight on paper. And you got to look at it from this. Easter's going to have a speed advantage. He's got like a five-inch height advantage and something like a six or seven-inch reach or eight-inch reach advantage. Like, it's absurd. No matter what you think of their skills or experience or toughness or backbone, this is physically going to be a tough matchup for Mikey Garcia, who's a guy who relies on counter shots and relies on sort of outclassing you, and he's going to have a long, quick, technical fighter in front of him. I love this fight. Yeah, I'm into it. I I think it is an interesting fight for for Garcia, and I think that if he is really as serious as he says he is about moving up to face Errol Spence next, uh, then... He better look fantastic. He better leave the ring feeling like a million bucks, thinking I am a like Alexander the Great, not Devin Alexander the Great, but the world conqueror kind of Alexander the Great. Uh, he needs to have that kind of performance. Otherwise, pump the brakes on that. There's, there's no rush. Yeah, that's a fair point. So Easter got the questionable decision over Fortuna. Mikey, by the way, said on the show he thinks Easter should have won. Whatever. The point is, Easter didn't look like Easter in that fight. And I went back and watched a few rounds of it. The biggest problem was he wasn't throwing out that jab. And when you have a reach like that, he wasn't being a stand-up tall fighter. He was leaning forward. He wasn't using his jab a lot. He was allowing Fortuna, who's a bit wild and awkward, the southpaw, to sort of make some daring runs in there and connect with big shots. 
And in some ways, even that really fun brawl with Richard Kami when Easter won the belt, there were times when he abandoned his jab and sort of allowed that to become a fun fight when it maybe didn't have to be. So here's the thing for Garcia. When Easter leaves the front door open, you can beat him with activity. That would have to think that Mikey Garcia facing such a big reach and height disadvantage that his jab is going to be very key. We know he's going to be tight defensively, but if he can jab his way in and then begin to land power shots, it's going to be a big opportunity for him. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. I mean, it, I I can't think of another. Uh, there isn't another opponent like this with those sort of physical attributes that Mikey Garcia has faced. There's not a oh remember when he did this type fight for us to look back on. So that really does make this a fascinating fight. You you just at this point are are so comfortable giving Garcia the benefit of the doubt that he is going to be in there and see see openings see see angles see things that he can exploit and ways to get in and land his shots uh that the way he always has done that that um you know you feel comfortable favoring him in this fight but it is going to be interesting and it is a new puzzle to solve now easter has said in pre-fight comments look last you can't judge me by the last two fights i wasn't at my best my fault he's like i need to go back to using my jab and i need to go back knocking people out hmm interesting here rafe the ultimate deciding factor for me is that yes at 40 and maybe even 47 you wonder if garcia is fighting a little over his weight class but 35 is his weight class and he has fight changing power at 35 that gets people out of there that removes people from their senses or just removes them from wanting to win the fight this will be interesting what happens the first time he gets inside and lands one of those big shots because if easter tries to brawl with him i think Garcia's going to knock him out i think that easter really can only win this fight by really being smart and being willing to be a little bit stinky and being willing to just ride that jab and box rafe because if he gets into a brawl, I think he's going to have trouble because of Mikey's technique. And I don't really know if he can outclass Mikey unless he's doing it just completely by trying to stink and play distance on him. Yeah, fighting in a very negative way. Um, Mikey, I just – I feel like his – he cuts the ring really well. I don't think – I think that his footwork, his ring generalship, you know, he he's sort of he's, – he's a scholar in there. He does – it's very textbook, but he does it all right. And I don't know if you can fight that way against Garcia. I feel like he's going to cut the ring on him. He's going to make him – make Easter react, make him do things that either lead to mistakes that Mikey can exploit or that – you know, or that Easter will rise to a level we haven't seen and make it either a great competitive fight or somehow do something we don't expect to happen. I hope, though, that Easter doesn't taste the power and then retreat and stop jabbing and basically go in, like, one-punch mode the rest of the fight. Mikey's going to clean up on that. Yeah, and it would be really boring, so I also hope that doesn't happen. All right. Well, there you go. I got Garcia. I'm sure you got Garcia. Do you care about I do. the co-main? Luis Ortiz against Raz Van Kojanu, who I think is the former boxeo heavyweight champion under Banner Promotions on ESPN. It's a comeback fight for King Kong. Excuse me as I burp here, Rafe. Comeback fight for King Kong from the loss to Wilder. I want to see him, you know, punch a hole through somebody. This might be the right guy for it, although Kojanu did go 12 rounds with Parker. Uh, Joseph yeah, Parker. I, I, would, I was going to say, I, I feel like Luis Ortiz 
has some of the finest squash matches in in the heavyweight division. Like when he gets a guy way beneath his level, let's let's all forget about that Malik Scott fight. Oh my god. But you know we like him extra squashy, Rafe, oh right? Oh man. When he gets a Daniel Martz type um one of these guys who is just a, just a, a tomato can type heavyweight um and I, I apologize maybe Koyanu is not that. I actually, I can't remember last time I saw him fight on Friday Night Fights or wherever the heck it was. Um, but Ortiz does these guys dirty and that's usually entertaining. So I'm looking forward to this. All right. The another fight that's buried under the undercard. I hope we get a chance to see it. Marcos Maidana's younger brother, Fabian, which we've seen a few times against Andre Klimov in a 10 round junior welterweight bout. Klimov is what? Best known for his loss to a young Crawford? That is true, and he won once on he he had one good win on Friday Night Fights that set up that that Crawford loss, and actually that's the only thing we ever rated him for. And he turns out he actually oh, just may he, not have been very good. He beat John Molina Jr. by majority decision to get the Crawford fight. There you go. Maybe it was on an undercard on Showtime or, or HBO. That wouldn't have been HBO, but anyway. Um, yeah, Klimov, and then he had these three recent losses. I think that he's there for the taking. Really what I'm excited for is usually when Fabian Maidana is in town, big bro Marcos is yes. nearby. So Marcos, LA, LA, Southern California based boxing fans, be on the lookout for El Chino. He will be out here. He will be in these streets, uh, living the life, rocking the tats, eating well. Just, just being the god that he is. So let's, let's, let, it's a nice time to remember and toast El Chino Marcos Maidana. Rafe, Saturday in London, a sneaky good fight that nobody's talking about, and you reminded me that it's happening and I forgot. Dillian White, Joseph Parker, 12 rounds heavyweights for a comeback fight for Parker coming off the loss to AJ, Anthony Joshua. It's a pretty interesting bout. You have to think knowing Eddie Hearn, and I know what, something we didn't mention at last week's DAZN press conference, big baby Jerrell Miller did kind of try to attack Anthony Joshua and talk about his mom and do some bad things to try to get that fight. So if we don't see Fury or Wilder in the near future, you could see Big Baby Miller. You could also potentially see if Dillian White could get by Joseph Parker, a rematch there. But I don't know if he can get by Joseph Parker. Parker's got skills. What's one thing we do know about him? He's got skills. Parker is, yeah, Parker is actually, we know, good. He, we did, I didn't love his performance against Joshua, but shoot, he is at the, he's probably, he's a, t- a real top five heavyweight. Um, Dillian White, I don't know. I really don't know. What, the best he, he had the fun brawl with Derek Chisora. He kinda, he, he, he hurt Anthony Joshua with one punch. Um, so that's something. And he beat the living crap out of, a bicycle gang guy from Australia. Um, what? <laughs> Lucas Brown. Yes. Um, so I guess probably not, but there aren't too many bicycle gangs. I believe motorcycles are, are what the guys, the tough guys ride, not necessarily bicycles. Um, but anyway, so we don't really know how, at what the, the level of, of white and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna find out in this one. If he, if he wins, shoot, that's a hell of a win. And he, he, he makes good, he makes sense as a, as a rematch for, for Joshua if nothing better comes up. Well, you know, Lucas Brown once lost to Daniel Cormier, the current two-division UFC champion, in a uh, MMA fight in 2010 in Sydney under the banner of XMMA. I know you don't care about that, but it did happen. That is interesting, though. It's funny. All right, Rafe. We On this undercard, I also didn't know this was happening. 
Kel Brook Kizora. comes back against Brandon. No, 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 no. That the schedule is wrong. Kel Brook pulled out. I think he has an ankle injury. That Canadian guy Brandon Cook will instead be fighting Sam Eggington. Wow, who's a borderline uh, plaster of the local union, right? Or no, no, he's yeah, pretty he, good. He's all right, right? He's uh, he, you know, he ended Paulie Malignaggi's career. That's so who that's he did. something. Yes, yes, I was gonna call him the. Uh... And the plasterer for the local council. All right, Rafe Carlo, another good match, Carlos Tack. Him against Derek Chisora. I love washed heavies. This is a pretty good ass fight. I like Takam based on his performance against AJ, which by the way was pretty gutsy. Chisora's washed, bro. He's double washed. This is a setup for a Takam win, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, and yes, and, and get ready for Chisora Usyk sometime in 2019. Oh, that's so that's so fair. You don't care about Katie Taylor bringing two welterweight female titles against Kimberly Connor, right? Of course, I care so much. I will be watching. All right, and to close. On Lucas Brown, watch Sunday, Sydney, Australia. Lucas Brown, 10-round heavyweights against Roger Aizan Rite. Your thoughts? Do you care? Not at all, bro. All right. Hey, that'll wrap up our show this week, Ray. Special uh, thanks to all the DAZN guests this week, including CEO James Russian, who, by the way, I think we're going to end up liking that guy. He seems funny. He seems like a, like a good dude overall. We already love Eddie Hearn. Rafe, this week, bro, this week. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. The big 4-0 for the BC. I'm leaving on a family trip, camping, little getaway unplug, all right? But turning the big 4-0, I got old balls, Rafe. What am I going to do? You can't fight it. You need a Cali party to uh, to re- enliven that. I, th- I think I need a double kebab just to uh, – I don't even know what that means. I don't want to know what that means. That's that's. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, from the lip to the cup, it's – Boy, there's a long way from the lip to the cup, I'm sure you don't understand what that means. I'm sure I don't either. Hey, Rafe, um, so, yeah, thanks for joining me. Any, you want to sell anything? You want to tell the fans anything? I know you got a lot of, lot of, lot of, we get a lot of Filipino listeners here from your, you know, star status in that country. Well, in that case, maraming salamat sa inyong lahat, sa yung, sa yung, ano, pagtangkilik ninyo sa amin. And, um, wow. thank you. Uh, and happy birthday, Brian. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. As we always like to close, we, uh, anybody wanted to know what Radio Rahim's name means? Why do they call you Radio Rahim? Cause suckers never play me. And rape suckers never play this show. We love the show. We love the ITC listeners. We love you, Rafe. So, uh, thank you for listening all. And we have two words for you as we walk away. We out. <laughs> <laughs>